How can you reduce your reliance on fossil fuels? The European Commission and the IEA has you covered. And what's Biden's Earth Day executive order about? Welcome to the Climate Recap from the Becosphere Climate Corner, your go-to place for international and U.S.-based climate news. I'm Becky Hogue, a science writer. Today is Monday, April 25th. Let's jump right into the news you need to start your day, which will be a little long today because it was Earth Weekend. Siberian wildfires are burning unchecked because the Russian military units that would usually fight them are wreaking havoc in Ukraine. Wildfires in that area are a big source of carbon dioxide, soot, and black carbon emissions that reach the Arctic. Now let's go to some climate studies. Climate change has resulted in a 7% loss in India's forests between 2001 and 2018. The forests are home to 8% of the world's biodiversity, with 650 trees unique to the area. Over to Europe, European Union scientists declared the summer of 2021 the hottest on record for Europe by a whole degree Celsius. As a result of the worsening crisis, it experienced especially bad wildfires, drought, and flooding. Meanwhile, a new study published in the journal Nature Food finds that as weeds are becoming more resilient to herbicides, farmers are tilling their lands more intensely, which is releasing more greenhouse gases from the soil. The tilling uptick started in 2008 when herbicide-resistant plants began being introduced more. This underscores the need to move away from chemicals in the fields and find alternative forms of weed management. It also shows the connection between our overuse of chemicals and climate change. And since the first Earth Day in April 1970, the United States' average temperature has gone up 2.2 degrees Fahrenheit, according to Climate Central. Alaska is warming the most out of all states, though Hawaii didn't have any data in this study for some reason. Alaska warmed 4.3 degrees Fahrenheit since 1970. And the city in the U.S. that's increased in temperature the most is Reno, Nevada, which has seen a 7.7 degree Fahrenheit increase in average temperature. Now to some climate victories. Around the world, climate protests took place in the name of Earth Day. Around 50 activists outside Germany's representation in the European Union in Brussels chanted, Be brave like Ukraine. In New York, Extinction Rebellion activists blockaded a New York newspaper printing facility, calling for more media coverage. Online, Twitter announced that it would ban advertisements that peddle climate change denial propaganda. This is a part of a larger trend of social media companies trying to combat climate misinformation as more climate denial and delay groups are propagating advertisements. Over to Asia, Taiwan announced it plans to invest in research and development in green energy, smart grids, and energy storage. Taiwan pledged to go net zero emissions by 2050 last year, along with $30.7 billion for this decade towards that effort. It'll need to make some breakthroughs fast, though, if it's going to rely on hydrogen for 10% of its electricity and thermal power generation with carbon capture connected for 20%. Right now, 45% of its electricity generation comes from coal, and 30% comes from liquefied natural gas. Now to Europe. EU countries are getting closer to a deal to share out emissions-cutting efforts to reduce emissions in buildings and transportation by 40% by 2030. This would mean that countries that have contributed the most emissions per capita would be expected to cut more emissions now than countries that have had less of an impact. 
All countries would have their emissions plans upped, but now Germany, for example, would be expected to cut emissions by 50% instead of 38%, while Bulgaria will only have to reduce emissions by 10%, whereas before its plan was to just not increase their emissions rate. I'll keep you posted on if this deal becomes official. Meanwhile, the European Commission and the International Energy Agency paired up to release a nine-step plan to reduce reliance on Russian fossil fuels that will also help households save money and reduce their environmental impact. Here are the following nine steps you can take to reduce your fossil fuel reliance. Turn down heating and use less air conditioning. Try to maintain your thermostat at 19 or 20 degrees Celsius instead of the EU average at 22 degrees Celsius. That's 66 to 68 degrees Fahrenheit instead of almost 72 degrees Fahrenheit. Adjust your boiler settings. A lower temperature can save around 100 euros a year. Work from home if you can. Commuting is responsible for a quarter of the EU's oil demand. Use your car more economically like carpooling and decreasing AC usage. Reduce your speed on highways. Driving 10 kilometers slower can save about 60 euros a year. Leave your car at home on Sundays if you live in a large city. Walk or bike short distances instead of driving. A third of EU car journeys are less than 3 kilometers. Use public transportation. And take a train instead of a plane whenever possible. These are all good guidelines to follow even if you don't live in Europe. Reducing reliance on oil will also make it easier for countries to fill up their reserves each year. Over in Germany, Berlin's Senator for Transport, Brandenburg's Minister of Infrastructure, and Group Representative Deschutz Bonn announced that regional transport of Berlin and Brandenburg will be emissions-free by 2037, presenting a joint strategy for Berlin-Brandenburg Transport Association. This includes battery electric trains for the Prinznitz Express route. Over to the United Kingdom, the energy firm Octopus is helping interested landlords build wind turbines on their property. The project, called Plots for Kilowatts, connects communities interested in having access to clean energy to landlords who are interested in hosting wind turbines. Recent research by the firm shows that 9 out of 10 people would be willing to put a wind turbine in their community if it meant a discounted energy rate. So Octopus launched a local wind tariff called the Fan Club in January of 2021, which offered communities living near turbines up to a 50% discount on their energy processes. Since the launch, over 5,000 communities have reached out for their own turbine. So now, the company is matching up communities with interested landlords after looking at the area's grid availability, wind speeds, and environmental impact, with a plan to announce 10 sites by the summer. The UK's top 30 landlords own over 1.5 million acres of land, and if just 1% of this land was rented out to wind turbines, over 1,500 wind turbines could be built. By being a part of this, landlords have the opportunity to secure additional revenue streams through rent or a share of the project's income, whilst giving back to their local community through discounted bills. Now over to South America. A Colombia judge just suspended the pilot fracking project on Thursday that was given the green light last month. They argued that local communities were not properly consulted. The mostly state-owned oil company EcoPatrol says it plans to challenge the ruling. Over to the U.S., 
U.S. President Joe Biden issued an executive order aiming to protect forests domestically and internationally to help biodiversity and store carbon. A big part of this order is to create an inventory of all mature and old-growth forests. It also develops agency-specific 2030 targets for reforestation, works with local and tribal groups to up sustainable forestry, prevents purchases of things like beef and palm oil that are grown in illegally cleared areas, and spurs greater U.S. deployment of natural carbon-absorbing methods. Then, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission approved a draft proposal to broaden advance notice of proposed rulemaking almost a year ago meant to answer questions related to transmission planning, cost allocation, and generator interconnection policies. Researchers have estimated the U.S. will need to double or even triple its transmission capacity by 2050 to decarbonize. Now to Maryland, which just passed a far-reaching climate measure containing 28 bills called the Climate Solution Now Act of 2022. It will require the state to cut emissions by 60% below 2006 levels by 2031 and achieve net zero emissions by 2045. The bill addresses environmental justice and sets up a just transition working group to help fossil fuel workers find new jobs in non-polluting sectors. Let's talk about some neutral climate change headlines now. China announced it would build six Generation 3 nuclear plants. This is the first time that China has approved six in a row since 2008. But of course, they also announced that they expect to add 300 million tons of coal production capacity this year too. Meanwhile, Japan is working to set a legal framework for carbon storage. The outline would enable companies to start storing carbon dioxide underground or under the seabeds by 2030. With a draft bill to be set in 2023, it would also limit the liability of operators in an event of leaks or other issues. Japan expects to store 120 to 140 million tons of CO2 by 2050. Now for some climate fails. On Earth Day, a group compiled of primarily Republicans, climate deniers, and ranchers gathered in Lincoln, Nebraska on Earth Day to protest Biden's America the Beautiful Challenge. Biden made a challenge to encourage further conservation in an effort to conserve 30% of federal lands and waters by 2030. The protest is called Stop 30 by 30 Summit, and it was hosted by Nebraska's governor and presented by the nonprofit American Stewards of Liberty, which protects private property rights. American Stewards of Liberty is fighting the 30 by 30 in 13 states right now, with 114 resolutions that have already been passed. Sponsors of the summit are well-known climate denial groups, such as the Center for a Constructive Tomorrow, Heartland Institute, and the Heritage Foundation, along with several ranching and agriculture groups. Also part of the whole shenanigans is the climate-denying lobbyist group, the American Legislative Exchange Council, or ALEC, which is behind the latest efforts by conservative states to boycott companies that want to divest from fossil fuels. Let's talk about methane emissions for a sec. A new study led by the Environmental Defense Fund found that low-producing oil wells caused half of methane emissions in the U.S., despite only making up 6% of total oil production. Methane is the second most emitting greenhouse gas in the world. It's more potent than CO2, but it doesn't stay in the atmosphere for as long. This would be a very low-hanging fruit to reduce these emissions. The Washington Post just investigated the best ways to reduce global emissions as well. Here are some key takeaways. 
UN pledges are built on flawed data. They're missing anywhere from 8.5 to 13.3 billion tons of emissions. Russia is a large source of methane emissions and dramatically underreports. Congo has the world's largest tropical peatland, and if it's developed on, it could release a bomb of emissions. Excessive fertilizer use is increasing agriculture-based nitrous oxide emissions in Mexico, doubling to possibly quadrupling the emissions they report. Nitrous oxide is responsible for 6.5% of global warming. Alaska's old-growth trees contain nearly twice as much carbon as the U.S. emits every year and are threatened by logging. And Canada's megafires are not being counted in the country's emissions reports. Meanwhile, a quarter of U.S. emissions since 2005 come from fossil fuels on public lands, according to a new study published in Climatic Change. This further emphasizes the need to stop projects on federal lands fast to reduce emissions. Finally, Portland, Oregon has tried to get people to use their cars less by adding hundreds of miles of bike lanes and an extensive light rail system and adopting far-reaching zoning rules to encourage walkable neighborhoods. Of the 40 largest U.S. metropolitan areas, Portland drivers drove the third fewest miles per day on average in 2019, behind New York and Philadelphia. Yet, still, the amount of trucks and cars on the road in Portland continues to rise, and now the city is considering widening several highways around it. Climate activists are worried it will encourage more transportation emissions, which represents over a quarter of the city's emissions. Let's finish with one last climate victory point. On April 3rd, California's grid set a record of almost 98% renewable power. The previous record was on March 27th at 96%. And more clean energy is being added to the grid every day. And that was your climate news for Monday, April 25th. If you like the work I do, please follow this podcast, give it a five-star rating, leave a review, and consider checking out the Becosphere Climate Corner YouTube channel. Remember to talk about the climate crisis every single day and to support your local news organizations. Bye for now.